Welcome to Creative Awesomeness. My name is Dennis Hilario, CEO of Hillsoft, and we're here to provide you inspiring stories about creativity and innovation. Let the show begin. Yes, sir. So, uh, again, thank you for uh, being, ano, I mean, giving me the giving the opportunity to, uh, to interview you. Um, as discussed, uh, we're here to discuss topics about innovation and creativity. So, for the benefit of the, our audience, um, can you please uh, ano, uh, introduce your, yourself, uh, what you do, and how you started your uh, business? Uh, okay, thank you for asking me to be part of your uh, study. Uh, my name is Billy Mondoñedo, and I'm in the restaurant business. Uh, but obviously before, when I was much, much younger, uh, I had another business uh, in America, uh, which is totally separate, different from the restaurant business. I was in the clothing business, in the fashion business. Um, uh, if you want, I can start there, how I started with the fashion business. Yeah, sure, sure. And then that was one part of my life, and this is the second part of my life. Sure, uh, sure. The restaurant, the clothing business started out as, as um, a, a, actually a casual um, uh, meeting with, with some investors who were my clients because I was working for a clothing company before. This clothing company is called Mr. Rags. Uh, It was a jeans store uh, near uh, a college catering to students, you know, buying jeans and shirts and that type of uh, clothing. And then um, there was a man whose kids were buying clothes from me. Mm. And he was a contractor. And then after several months of coming to me, he asked me, why don't you go into the business yourself? Because yeah. I was the one attending to him all the time. Um, you know, naman in America, it's not like you go to one store and you have 10 salesmen you can talk to. It's normally you only have one or two handling the entire department. Right. So I, my simple answer to him is, I do not have the money mm. to do it. So he said, okay. I said, if I lend you money, will you go into business for yourself? I said, sure. So he lent me $10,000 at the time. Yeah. I was uh, my, in my early 20s. Yeah. So I opened the store, uh, left the company I was working for, uh, and then opened my own business. Not him as a partner, but him as an investor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went one or two notches higher than my my clientele before. I went into the suit business. I went into mm. the I went into the clothes to the suit and tie business. Yeah. To the dress up fine fine wear fine dress wear that is new to, to me but the upcoming market was there. Right. I didn't want to deal with the children, with the kids anymore because the kids let's let's put it this way, they buy one pair of jeans that will last them two years. Or, or one shirt that will last them eight months. Not like a businessman who needs to wear two, three types of suits a month. You know? So I catered, I went into that business. I opened a company called For Ohms, which is a French word that means for men. Mm, okay. And then um, 
I uh, brought in many clothes from uh, Italy and France and um, mainly from Italy because I like the, the Italians, the Italian fit, the Italian cut fits the foreigners or the Americans much better than the French because the French, if you notice, they're very tight on the shoulder and Americans are very broad people. Right. So I went into that business and I, um, uh, I built uh, two stores. Uh, this is it, in uh, Seattle? This is in Seattle. Okay. And it was one of the, it was considered at the time, uh, it was labeled and titled by many people as one of the most expensive stores in the Northwest. So, because I was, I brought in, I was the first one to bring in Bali. No one heard of Bali before. Uh, Pierre Balmain, Jay Walden, some of the top clothing companies from Europe were brought into the to, to Seattle and I became that kind of a store so we were in my clientele were Arabs who were going to America to study young businessmen because I did not really cater to the old guys I catered to the, the young the young graduates who are now uh, working for big companies like insurance companies or or opening their own business um, after that, uh, of course, that was very successful. Uh, then I went to the Philippines. So, what year is that? That was in 1982 uh, when I came to the Philippines. Uh, when I first came here, of course, only as a tourist. Yeah. And I fell in love with the country because when I left the, the Philippines, I was still a teenager. So I but you're not, a U.S. citizen? Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm now already a U.S. citizen. And, um, and then I, um, uh, I came to the Philippines and uh, I loved the place. So I started thinking, how do I come here, earn money, and make a living without having to go back to America? Mm. So uh, actually, I didn't have any answer for that. I didn't have any answer. My, my heart was just to come here. Bahala na. So I went back to America and sold my business, sold the, the clothing business. The US? Yeah. yeah, the US. Sold my clothing business and came here with all the money that I made in the, in the business, yeah. the, selling the stocks and everything. And it was quite a bit. At the time, it was quite a bit in relation to the peso value. Mm -hmm. So uh, I went into the, um, I met a guy from, uh, uh, in the US, I met a guy who is related to, I don't know if you know this company, Antibay, the Chodoros. This oh, yeah, see, si, yeah. uh, si Toy? Si, uh, sa San Pablo, see. Uh, Tesoro, that's Tesoro. Tesoro, no, this one is Chodoro. They were in the business before of the shoes called Antibay. Okay. That was shoes way, way, way back. Oh, way back, even before we were all born, they were, oh. they were selling. Anyways, I met one guy who connected me to another guy who was in the logging business, mm. the lumber business, which it sounded exciting, but really I didn't know anything about it. So I connected with them. I went to logging. Isabella. I went to yeah. Isabella and started cutting logs. Right. Took all my money and put it into equipments and um, uh, went into that logging business, which, yeah. which really, I, in one way, I regret. But in another way, it turned, it taught me a lot of things. 
to make a long story short, I went bankrupt. Really? I went bankrupt in that business because I would never stay. You have to stay there. So what happened is the engineers were cutting logs and instead of putting it in the log, they, they put it in a log pond, you know, where the, the logs, they float. So they stay there and you take inventory. Mm. After taking inventory, you put them in a, in a barge and you ship them to Japan or whoever would buy from you. See, I did not see that. So they, what, what was happening is people were stealing, wherein they would cut the logs, put it in the log pond, and it, uh, put it in somebody else's log pond, not to my log. Uh -huh. So if they cut, say, 200 trees, I will probably get 50 trees, the 150 goes to some, somewhere else. To make a long story short, I was not able to meet expenses and I lost money. And I came home with 2,500 pesos, pesos in my pocket and the clothes I had on. So now after that, I went back. When I came back to Manila, I talked to my grandfather and I asked him, can I stay with you? Because I could no longer afford the... Um, the hotel apartment, I cannot afford it. So he said, um, uh, sure, so you can stay with me. You know, there's nobody in the house except you, me, and your grandmother, and blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay. I told him to give me only six months. Mm. To give me six months, and if I don't make it, I'll go back to America and try again. Because yeah. I was still young. You know? And uh, during the time, I met a man who was working for the Ministry of Trade. He was getting information from inquiries from all over the world on products that are made in the Philippines, like rattan furnitures, that type of thing. So since he was working in the, by, for the government, he cannot go into business. So he would funnel the communication to me and say, well, we cannot answer all the inquiries, so I will give you inquiries that you yourself can communicate with and see whether you can help them. So, make a long story short, I did, I did uh, communicate with several, specifically one, one Arab, who was uh, a sheik in Jeddah. She ordered, he ordered several rattan furnitures, after which I went to Tesoros, to, to uh, Balikbayan. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I helped him buy, because what he would do is he would buy the goods, bring it to Saudi Arabia, he has a showroom, then he will sell it, okay, just like Blims would do. So my job was only a uh, quality control guy. I would make sure that what he ordered was shipped with perfect quality, no no gas gas, no damage or anything. So I would get a commission, a 7% commission on the sales. Well, after doing that for about he ordered quite a quite a few. So after all my eight to one year, eight months to one year, he called me from Jeddah and asked me, I want you to send me people. Mm. I want you to import export yeah, yeah. people from Philippines. It's like a manpower. Yeah, like manpower. Uh, I said, yeah. I don't know how to do that. He says, Well you go find out how to do it. <laughs> so I figured if you can send furniture, yeah. you can send people. people. So right. I went to the the it's a doll. I started asking around what to do, what's the requirement. So finally, I got the requirement and I told him, yes, I know I got the requirement, but I need 100,000 for the bond. So he gave me 100,000, down payment, said, you send me 350 people. And I said, wow, I'm done. So 
what I did is I, I, I uh, put together the license. I asked one of my good friends to lend me a room because you need at least 50 square meters. I uh, established an office. Uh, it would be a long story to tell you how, how the office was put together, but it was really talagang makeshift lang. Mm. So just for the approval of the goal. So make a long story short, I was able to send 350 work. So he was impressed. After the 350 people got to to, um, uh, to Jeddah, he called me again. He says, "I'm opening another showroom, but this time not only a showroom, but a a um, uh, parang a showroom and uh, a sales a sales office, office and everything." So I went back to Saudi Arabia and I talked to him about what he needs, and then I found an opportunity. Because he mentioned to me that he will bring, he'll be bringing in Hoover. I don't know if you know the company Hoover. They make vacuum cleaners and things like that. So he said, I'm be bringing in vacuum, uh, Hoover products from the America. So I told him, okay, when you sell it, what do you do? He goes, well, I sell it. And then in, in Saudi Arabia, when, when a product is bought and it breaks, you throw it away. You buy a new one. They don't repair. Yeah, yeah. So I told him, I said, that is not where you will make money you'll make money on the repairs. So he said, what is that? I said, you repair the vacuum cleaners and the air conditioning, whatever we buy. So he said, okay, you set it up for me. So I set the, I set the entire uh, uh, rehabilitation program for him. I recruited technicians from all. I was gonna mention something, but I, I don't want to because this is gonna go on, on record, but I, I closed down one company here because I took all their people okay. from oh, engineers, okay. managers, down to the technicians. The place closed down. Not the company, but that branch closed because I took everyone, including secretary. So I set it up and he made a ton of money. He was selling Hoover to all, all over Saudi Arabia. And then, after which he called me again for the third time. He said, you come to Saudi Arabia. And he said, I will make you a rich man. Mm. I said, okay. So I got my visa again. This time he sent my visa in Washington, D.C., in New York. So I said, why Washington, D.C.? Well, my secretary made a mistake. So anyways, I went to New York, and then we went to pick up the visa. And then I went to Jeddah. When I got to Jeddah, he invited me for dinner. And uh, Arabs don't just invite you for dinner. Mm -hmm. You know, they just talk to you and then you go. Yeah. This time he invited me for dinner and I sat on one table. And in one table, there were about seven men, seven businessmen, all in Arab suits. He says, this is the man who can help you. So, make a long story short, I got a contract worth several millions mm -hmm. when I left Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. Because they all want people. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I said, fine. So I left, and that's what made my company one of the biggest uh, recruitment agency in the Philippines. So I sent all these people, I made money, and then unfortunately, towards 1989, uh, I was informed by the embassy that um, they will no longer, oh, that, that there's going to be a Gulf War. Oh, remember yeah, the Gulf yeah, War, yeah, yeah. and the Gulf War will be the Third World War. That's yeah, how they yeah. pointed it out to me. So, sabi niya, you better bring all your people back because there's going to be a war. Yeah, yeah. 
So little did I know that uh, Schwarzkopf will finish it in two months. So, but make a long story short, I brought in all the people. Only 400 were left in Saudi Arabia who did not want to come. I then accompanied from uh, uh, a man from New Jersey because I was also in the nursing business. I now have two floors occupied in that building. The, the second floor were all nurses going to different parts of America. CGFNS, so, okay. you know, like, like Texas uh, Hospital, like California. Beth Israel, California, all that. I was sending a lot of CGFNS uh, nurses. So make, what I did is this man came to me. Anyways, the business was going down in Saudi Arabia. But my nursing business was still very strong. Mm -hmm. So a guy, a Filipino guy, Philippine American, heard about it in in, in New Jersey that I was the one sending the people. So he came, and uh, he offered the price to buy my entire company. Oh, nice! So, yeah. so I said, you know, sure. you sell you sell everything one time. Yeah. So I sold. I retired. Right, right. I retired at the age what I was mid thirty. Mid thirties. I retired, I opened, uh, but I didn't do, I, I was not doing anything, so I opened a, a chicken farm in Batangas. I bought a... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I bought... Where uh, in Batangas? Malvar. Malvar, oh, Malvar. And, uh, next to Malvar in, in Tanawan. Tanawan, yeah. So I went there, I met, I met the owner, Pat Villegas, so I bought the piece of property and I built uh, five chicken houses. Each house was about 120 chickens. That was a big deal, you know, mm -hmm. I was the biggest there. Mm -hmm. So when I built it, um, I didn't know it was very difficult. I said, 45 days, how can you, how can you mis make a mistake growing chickens for 45 days? But it was, it was terrible. So I didn't make any money. I lost money in the, in the chicken business. So after a while, I sold it, a guy from Jensen came and bought it, so now I'm back to retirement. Okay. But, but, but when that happened, Anyways, this is how the restaurant business came about. I had an opportunity to open a small shop at the Terminal 1 when it was newly renovated. But it was not a restaurant, it was a gift shop. Tabacalera, where Tabacalera Cigars had a, had a store at the old airport. Now the new airport opened, they don't want to go there anymore because it was costly. So what they did is they gave it to us, me and my wife, and then uh, I said it was an opportunity. I actually gave it to my wife for her to do something. So Tabacalera helped us put together the store. So now it was operating after a while. My wife uh, was not able to handle it well, so I came into the picture and I told her, I will, I will now fix it, fix I'll it. take over. So I paid all the debts to Tabacalera, and then uh, through my money that I saved from recruitment, and then um, I took over the, the, the Tabacalera business. But this time, I had better opportunity because I'm, I'm not only selling Tabacalera, but I'm also able to sell uh, products from here like Tanduay which mm. is very popular to, to my foreigners and yeah. also the contract worker people. So I brought that, the gin, everything. So I was in the liquor business and the cigar business, meaning to say all the bad habits I was selling. <laughs> okay. But of course I did not partake. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So they now after after we were doing very well. After a while 
they opened Terminal 2. I happened to go to Terminal 2. When I went to Terminal 2, it was empty. There was nothing there. And they had a very big uh, smoking area where people were just sitting there in the chair, just smoking, and they, uh, an ashtray in front of them. So I went to the, friend, to the manager and I told him, what if I rent that place? Mm -hmm. He said, what are you going to do with it? I said, well, I'll refurbish it for you. I'll clean it up. I'll open a cafe. I'll open a cafe. But every smoker can come in for, for free. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I will only pay for, for, the cup, for the area where my cafe is, but the place is open for everyone. So it's not going to be a restaurant, but it's going to be a smoking area mm -hmm. for the for the, smoker. For, for the smoker. Yeah. So were you the, the first the ever first. cafe yes. smoking area? Yes, in, uh, first yeah. ever cafe. So they made me put together a drawing. I did the design. I went to architect, uh, Calma, and I, I did, I did, we all did the design. Submitted it to Aero de Paris because Aero de Paris is the one who owns the building. It's not just the Philippines. Mm. So after several months, they came, approved it, and I built, I built it in one night. I built it in one night. Meaning, when I built it one night, I fixed everything outside, and then I just put it, put all the furnitures and the kitchen, everything, all in one night. So from eight in the evening, by six o'clock in the morning, we were doing this. Thing, okay, and the place was packed. The place was packed. Yeah, because of the smokers. Yeah, yeah. and then the manager at the airport, at Cebu, saw the idea, called me, and I opened one there. <laughs> and then again, uh, the Terminal 1 did not have any, and then they asked me, so I opened one there. So at, at that time, making making the restaurant or the cafe, uh, there were four, four already, four and two in Cebu. Then it was time, it was time to expose myself, because I figured I cannot stay as a cafe if I want to get into the restaurant business. I cannot stay that small because it's it's too fragmented. Yeah. You know, Cebu, Manila. So I wanted to build I wanted to build a restaurant. So I rented I rented a restaurant, I mean a building in Manila, which is one thousand one hundred square meter. And I paid I paid the rent for one year without doing anything, just the design. Mm. And the design that I did was a cafe with a deli, with a wine shop, with a smoking area, and a bar. So all told, it was a complete, it was a complete restaurant, never been done before. So of course, everyone was saying that really, why do that? It's crazy. Cebuanos are cheap. They they eat at home, and uh, they will not go out. By the time they go out, they've already eaten. So what can you offer? So I told them I will make them eat. I will make them eat in my restaurant. Yeah. Uh, that was my plan A. Then I have another plan B. So I told my people, my, my manager, this is what we're going to do the first, the first three weeks. Open everything to the public. The deli, because see, that's the first time they saw a deli. Yeah. And I had a, I had a, I had a deli that's right. from this distance to that distance. I mean, yeah. it was like bigger than Santis, uh -huh. you know. Mm -hmm. Although they were my supplier, so it was, it was not a joke. When you, when you go in, you, my philosophy in business is that you don't do things half big. 
either you're serious about it or don't do it at all. Yeah. Because the people, when they walk in, they'll know that. Kagaala chamba lang to, you know, maybe they're trying to, you know, there are many mentality, uh, Filipino mentality that says, oh, let me earn first before I sink in more money. That does, to me, that doesn't work. I either sink everything and forget it or, you know, and not do it at all, you know, because wala mangyayari pag ganun, no? So, I, I, even my wife at one time asked me, are you sure you know what you're doing? I said, well, I know what I'm doing, I know what I want to do, but I'm not sure if it's going to work. The only thing I'm going to be sure of is if it doesn't work. If yeah. it doesn't work, I know that it doesn't work. Right, right. But, but I don't want to die, grow old, thinking whether it would have worked or not worked. Exactly. You see? That was my philosophy. So, I opened it. First week, people were just going in. Second week, padami ng padami. So, and then I, this is one trick, I don't know if it's nice to put it on the, sure. on the internet or in the, you know, but what did I did was, in the front of the store, there was parking areas. So I told the guard, all the beautiful cars, I gave him pictures of Mercedes-Benz, Porsches, <laughs> Ferraris, you name it. I told him, every car that looks like this parks in the front. Okay. The other parking for everyone. So when he sees a car, Mercedes Benz. So now when people go by, they say, "Wow, I know that car. That's owned by so and so. That place must be nice." So they start to get in, and that's how I got the market. On the third and fourth week, my manager, when I visited her, because she was the one running the place, because I was going back and forth because we had an operation here. So uh, she asked me, sir, what is plan B? Because there's no plan. You never have a plan B, although now I have plan B. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, and I'll tell you the difference. Okay, so anyways, there was no plan B. It was either that or not. And I didn't even have food. All I had were sandwiches. But people were coming in. The price, the price were not the price of the food were not expensive. But they were really delicious. So we were not making money. And, uh, and my managers and everyone were saying, how can you make money with these prices? I said, you can't. You're not going to make money in this price. But you cannot also make money selling this twice the price and people will not even try it. Let them try it. So they tried it, they started looking for it. Then I started increasing the price to the level where it was starting to get profits. Then after the sandwiches, I brought in a chef, a very famous Filipino chef, and we did the lunch and we did the dinner. Yeah. So that brought in a lot of customers because now you not only have the sandwiches, you now have meals. the meals and everything. Plus dry goods, I have dry goods, you can buy uh, ketchup, vegetables, fresh meat, you can you can buy all these things. So, yes, it's a big it's a, it's a very unique, yeah, uh, unique place. That was made wine cellar, where you can, I have about how many thousands of wines you can yeah. purchase. Yes, every day. Uh, he, he has his own wine cellar, yeah. and then upstairs there's a bar. There's a bar. Then and there's the, elegant dining. Yeah. Yeah. The bar, when it was made, uh, when we finished making it, the bar was labeled, or it, it went to a book called uh, a frame, it was done by Frame uh, Magazine out of Oslo and uh, was featured in one of the best bars in the world, wow. one of the best design really, bars in the really world. Nice it, was really, it was something to see. So people would come from Manila just to see it 
you know, because the whiskey tastes the same as, yeah. as uh, United Nations yeah. or in uh, Burgos. <laughs> the only difference is the design. Right, right. So the idea was to sell the place. And then the food was great because I brought in chefs from around the world. I brought in German Michelin chefs, created, I made them stand outside, created the best cuisine. And that was history. So all these years of business experience and uh, having known you for how many years, for over a decade, yeah. Then it so, was part of the, of the <laughs> software development. Right, right. So how do you generate ideas? How do you come up with this, uh, you know, innovation yeah. and uh, well, innovative Innovations thoughts? or ideas are brought about by situations that happen not only globally, but in locally. Locally. Uh, the, market, the market directs you where they want you to go. That is one aspect. The other aspect is when the market brings you to a direction where they want you to go, the next approach is you create the market. Mm. Okay. Like I did in Cebu, I created right, the right, market. Right. Who would come to, to the store? Yeah, who would come and, part and, and enjoy the food? Why would yeah. they go there? Because it's a, new, it's a new thing. The food was good. They, if they park, it's not very expensive. The ambience was perfect. So there was no reason for them to go elsewhere. Exactly. You know? So that is basically the innovation. To see, to see where the... the, to, the, the actually, the customer is always the one going to tell you where you want what do, you, what do we want? Yeah. What we want, or something aside from what we want, we have to tell them also what you don't, what you want that you don't know. Mm. For example, you, you want this, you can afford it, but you don't know it. Right, so right. You, you create, you create a need. Correct. You know what? What is the need? A need for them to come in, uh, sit in a nice table, order not only the food that's on the menu. But then again, you have a chef's room where they can order different things because the chef can cook on the fly. Now, that innovation, we go back to that innovation, that innovation was, was perfect at the time. That was in 1993, 2000, up to 2007. That innovation was attractive to many people because it's new. But innovations must be created all the time. You right. cannot sit in that innovation forever because others will compete against yes. you and they'll come up with better ideas. Yeah. So you have to see what these ideas are and maybe before they come up with it, you keep creating. Actually, the bar that Dennis was talking about was not created on the same night that I opened the thing. Remember, I said I first had sandwiches, then I had lunch and then dinner. And then the um, uh, the bar, the bar at the time. Before I even opened the bar, I opened the fine dining that seats 32 people. Uh, the fine dining was another another innovation that people were looking for. The cafe was casual, and then when they say, "Oh, what's that place?" It's reserved, all tablecloth, different approach, different lighting. Oh, that looks good. I wanna, I wanna go there. I wanna eat there. Sir, that's fine dining. This is the menu, a different menu. So for him to try it, you have to create that ambience. So they went. They, they started. Uh, so when they make a reservation, it's either the cafe or the, the fine dining. And then a few, a couple of years later, I designed that bar with Kenneth Coburn. We designed the bar, 
and uh, that was another innovation that right. I need to get people to get excited. Yeah. You know, they're tired of the cafe, they have fine dining, now they want the bar. So we had to design the bar that is uh, uh, Unexpected. You just keep doing that. Mm -hmm. So after the fine dining, the bar. The, the truth is I had another design. I don't know if it's going to be appropriate to put it in your marketing. Sure. But I will mention it anyway. When the cafe, uh, when the bar was designed, I had to come up with another innovation. Because like I said, Maluluma kai pidongka. The next innovation, which is to me the ultimate, that would be the final innovation because that will create many things, is I was going to build in that same property a seven-story building which will house a bar, an Italian restaurant, and, and five floors of gallery of, of art. So it's going to be the center for art in the Philippines. We have Ayala Museum, yeah. and since I'm a photographer, I made the book, Cebu Pride of Place. This is where I got the idea, because I, when I was making the book, I met a lot of artists who are not capable of, the, of um, putting up, their... putting up a, a nice work. Because yeah. you know, they don't have brushes, they use paintbrush. You're the one who used for painting, that's yeah. what they used to make, uh, to make a painting. And what my idea was is to gather all these painters, make them, support them, fund it, mm -hmm. and then for them to create their own their story work. by showing their work in the gallery. And yeah. then afterwards, they go down outside Cebu, they go to Manila, and hopefully they go abroad. Yeah. But of course, mm -hmm. when they do that, they'll still they'll become the uh, part of the foundation already. They, can, they cannot leave. So every year, they will, they will be required to put up a show in that foundation. So now you have all, all the markets. You have the yeah. restaurant, the deli, you have the bar, you have the art. That's nice, yeah. And this art was supposed to be, um, uh, was supposed to be the, the height of it, the height of, of innovation. Right. Even to this day, I had it designed, groundbreaking was supposed to happen already, but the rest is yeah. still. Well, aside from um, being an entrepreneur, as you said, um, you, you, you're also a master photographer. Um, very quick, lang, uh, which is relevant to innovation, is also creativity. So how, how do you generate uh, creativity ideas for your... Uh, Photography, sir, very quick. Photography is approached many different ways, but most people go into photography because they want they are they want to be a commercial photographer. Where they are hired by individuals to to, to take photos of food, uh, to take uh, uh, photos of portraits or some other people and they charge for them. Um, I studied that but I didn't want to stick with it simply because it is a market where as the innovation of and the, as, as the design of cameras come into play, this kind of people will also come into play. So it'll, they'll multiply so fast that before you know it, you're only one of the thousands. One of them, yes. So you have to be, you have to be creative. You have to do something different. What I did is I, I went into the to street photography. I went into. Um, 
uh, environmental photography wherein you combine landscape with people to create a story. At the end of the day, that story is put, is put on paper, on a photo paper, and becomes part of your, your exhibit, exhibit yeah. on the wall. Uh, my end in view is to sell my pictures to collectors rather than put it on your telephone and show it on Facebook because that's not gonna sell. Yeah. I don't care how beautiful your picture is. Yeah. If you put it on the telephone, they see it, that's it, that's the end of it. Yeah. I don't have a Facebook account. I don't show my photos in my photo in my, in my uh, telephone. If they want to see my photo, it's in my website. Or mm. they come to the gallery. Mm. That way they, you create a price. You, you create you create a need. Yeah. Oh, I need to see Billy's work. Uh, it might be nice in my room. So now it's got gotten to a point where people come to me and they either build a house or they already have a house and say I want to do fix all my my art pieces. So I take down they take down all their their art pieces and I start curating them with my work. So when I take pictures, I normally take pictures to satisfy this type of client. Not not no longer to compete because I was a master photographer for two months, two years, I mean two-time master photographer for Camera Club and a president of Camera Club also uh, in 2013. To me, that's it. I put in my, my base work in photography. It's the competition. It's now, it's now getting your, your, your work be, re be recognized by collectors. So many people come here. I just finished decorating a glass house in Bohol and by, uh, by uh, an, an interior designer herself. She came in here and bought a lot of pictures. So now, now I'm uh, also offering for photographers to show their work, which is in the other side. Yeah, to show their work and people are now buying it. Because you, the way I, I look at it is this, no different than the software. You can design the best software. But if it's not you put to good use in a business, then it's nothing. No different than the stop your design. Yeah. If it's not put into the market and people do not use it, then it will just be a nice innovation that's sitting there and you can brag about it but it doesn't bring in any money. So photography to me is that where I convert the photo into a financial income. At the same time, in, or, in order for me to create that, I have to also print my photos. Yes. So I don't bring it to a printer, I print it myself. So from the time I take snap the photo, to fixing it, to printing it, to framing it, is all mine. So nobody can come to me and say, well, who printed your work? Mm -hmm. Or who took the photo? So right away you have two different uh, possible um, partners there, either the printer yeah. or you or, or the framer. Yeah. In my case, I do everything. Except, of course, the frame, because the frame is something that I don't <laughs> want to get into. But, but uh, printing, of course, it indicates how well you took the picture. And uh, because of that, I can now tell the person that I can print it bigger, I can print it smaller. And most people, if not all people now in the photography industry know that I am not a commercial photographer, but I sell my work. Uh, in fact, just the other month, 
we were, my group which I formed, are now archive artists at the National Museum because we contributed some of our work there. Mm -hmm. Is it the like a group, like a club? Because um, uh, I was a, I was a president of the Camera Club of the Philippines, and uh, when I I opened my own club, I established the like a club, Manila, be, simply because I wanted the direction of me and these people to be that of purist approach. Because a photo, when you edit it. That's not, it's not as pricey as when it's yes, pure. Actually, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, in our camera club, uh, we are now allowed to, to composite, to do, to put two things together. Yeah. Which, we edit. Yeah, we edit. You can still edit, but globally, it's when you, when you edit globally, then at least you know it came from one shot. It came from once one uh, geographical area and. Uh, you know, it's not like putting a dog, replacing it with a cat or something like that. So to so, me, that's not uh, photography. So how does the, the future look like uh, for you, maybe in the next uh, three to five years? Well, I hope I'm... All I do now is I pray I'm healthy all the time. I don't have oh, yeah. But uh, basically, in terms of business, I have a project in mind. Another innovation. Another innovation. <laughs> but I don't like to say it here because definitely somebody will like, yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah, pick it up. So yeah. and then, anyways, to make a long story short, I'm going to open four restaurants under one roof. The reason being, I will tell you when it's open. Right. Okay. Because I cannot yeah, at least, say uh, it. Uh, we I have can, something to look yeah, forward to. Because yeah. I cannot mention it now because then we know there's a lot of smart guys outside yeah, that's right. and when they know that that's what I'm gonna do and that's the reason why I'm gonna do it they'll see the opportunity yeah, exactly so I'm thinking about doing that. it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a very difficult thing to do quite honestly it's even opening one store is very difficult let yeah. alone opening four I, I tried it here where you have two restaurants already <laughs> and this was difficult then it's not that but it's going to be even more difficult because it's going to be four restaurants under one roof. That's and nice. it's going to be individually designed. That's exciting. And they have their own identity. Identity, but under one roof. Yeah. The, the um, uh, workflow will definitely improve the expertise yeah. of uh, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Because For sure. it's not just a, a workflow in terms of people, but a workflow in terms of software yeah. because the, the software, is, yeah. software is what's going to bring you there. Yeah. Many people ignore that because it's expensive, it's really something you cannot hold, that's why they don't understand. When I was in the recruitment business long time, when I made this 22 about the recruitment business, I was the very first recruitment agency that innovated it using computers because before the application to, to when you when one guy is applying for a visa or a, a, a work permit with those you have to type yeah. like seven forms mm -hmm. and there must no, not be any erasure so now I have like 14 typists who can do 72 words per minute but somehow one way or the other they still make a mistake yeah. I said what's going on here so something has to happen so what I did is I, I hired a guy 
he now works for BF, IBM in America. He was Chinese, a very intelligent guy. So I told him what I want. So he designed the system. So now all you need to do is type in. Yeah, type the information and plug it in and it prints and there is no mistake. The problem is when you submitted it at the dole, they looked at it and said, this doesn't look like a typewriter. What is this? You know, that, that's how the big disparities between people who are exposed to, to innovation. innovation. They look at it and say, we cannot accept this because it is not typed on a... On a in, uh, no, Underwood yeah. or something, or IBM typewriter. No, we explained to them because this is to actually type it without any mistake. So we computerized it. So I had to go to Ople, the mm. Ministry of Labor, for him to approve it. Yeah. Sir, this is what we did. And this is not just for us, but for the entire department. So he approved it. From then on, I was the only one in the, doing that. Until, of course, I sold the, the recruitment business. It's the same way in the restaurant business. When I started out, Dennis, I met him because he was doing some things for Union Bank. And I saw his work and I told him, I think this guy can do it. So I asked Dennis and your partner at yeah. the time. So we worked together for a long, long time. Yeah. Before, that's, what, that's why ERP, or you would call it Hillsong, is now to one of, the, one of the best software in the market. Thank you, sir. So, um, well, last question. Uh, what knowledge can you share to those who want to be innovators, to, uh, especially in your industry, food? Number one is don't be lazy. Uh, okay. I don't yeah. care how intelligent you are. Mm -hmm. I don't care if your IQ is 190 or 250. Laziness in this business is what's gonna break you down. Because this kind of business requires time, requires your presence, and requires your your foresight. Um, you you cannot like you notice most of the restaurants. Why do they close? Why are why is the business only at a certain level? How how come their their income or their sales is only up to a certain level? Because most businessmen, lalo na sa restaurant business, they hire waiters, cooks, managers, uh, cashiers, and then they train them. After they train them, they don't show up anymore. They go to the clubbing, they go yeah. to buying cars, they go vacationing, yeah. and they think that the managers is gonna run the place. No. I don't know of any manager who can that you hire, I don't care if she or he is a, is a cum laude in Ateneo in business, you put him in a restaurant business. Don't ever think he's gonna make it grow. The only person that will make the business grow is yourself. Because your presence in the business makes them do things that they would nor not normally do when you're not around. I give an example. I come here at lunch in the morning I'm doing my photography. I come here at lunch, it's a busy time. Even if I'm sitting in the corner and having my lunch, people are moving. They move differently because they know I'm sitting yeah. They know I'm looking. But if I'm not there, even if I have 10 CCTV <laughs> cameras, I'm not gonna. And that's why we are able, remember, you can look at it here now, we're on the second floor. We're already on the losing end because we're on the second floor. People have to climb up to eat. Yeah, yeah. 
So what will make them happy? Number one, ambience. Number two, quality of food. Number three, of course, service. Yeah. And and you cannot achieve that by not being here. You exactly. cannot call and say, well, uh, Jubik or my chef, your your pizza is uh, sour. You cannot do that. I have to taste it. I have to taste all the food, even food that I don't like to eat at that particular time. I'll have to taste it because I know the taste. I know how sour, how sweet, how salty it is. If you don't do that, and many people don't do it, yeah. the only people who are able to, to stay in business are people like McDonald's because they have a standard. They have a, they have yeah. a, 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 a well, not only a standard, but they already have a complete a, process. Yeah, a process of how they do things in the commissary. But the other restaurant that you see open in BGC, well, the owner goes once a week, maybe once a month, and with his ties tie and his girlfriend or his wife. Oh, it's five people eating, you know, so I own the place. A big deal if you own the place. But now what's happening is that you are hiring people. You're hiring people. Many people will get mad at me when they hear this. They're hiring people to run the business for you. It cannot work that way. Yeah, well, I agree, I agree. Yeah, if, if a guy can two or three guys or the manager that you hire him can run your business, she or he will go out and do his own thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They will always be one or two notches below you. Mm -hmm. You need them because they can reach up to two notches. Yeah. If they go equal to you or higher, forget <coughs> it. You'll be working for them. Right. So that's the, that's the way, that's one of the reasons we stay in business. Tinderbox, when I had it, was there for 23 years. Right. Of course. Obviously, what happened is yeah. when I left, yeah. it's history. So it's not because you've opened the business and it's doing well. Just like this business, I'm doing okay here. If all of a sudden I don't show up here for like a year, two years, well, I'm not. This, this will be run by guys. I'm not saying that they will pop us to Sinila. I'm not saying that. It's just that their ability will not bring the level up to that. It is you who choose up the business yeah. to always hum at the right tone. Mm -hmm. Even if they want to bring it to that level, they cannot. They do not have the, the capacity. So you as a businessman know that. You know how much to earn, what's the food cost, how much is bulai, how much is sugar. And to them, they don't, it does not come out of their pocket. So a good example, they'll go in and give coffee. After a while, they'll, they'll put in three, four packs of sugar, which the customer doesn't need. And then they'll take it and then throw it away. Because it doesn't cost them anything. Or in the kitchen, when they make a mistake, the food is cooked, a little overcooked. Siempre, the customer gets mad. What happens is thrown away, it's not recorded. So you have to inculcate in the minds of the people what they need to do, what they need to reach, and make it a habit. You have to inculcate it to make it a habit. If it doesn't become a habit, Nothing yeah. happens. Like in the case of your company, people must know that you service people like us. If we have a question, we don't have to call Dennis. We call uh, Vincent or some other guy. Yeah. Uh, Vincent, I have this problem. Dennis is out doing something in Baholod or whatever. I call Vincent and I say, Vincent, I have a problem. Vincent addresses right away because he knows if he doesn't address it right away, then he is not fine-tuning himself with the workflow of 
of the company. The company. Now, if if Dennis doesn't follow that up, he will just be bombarded with Dennis. I have a problem. Dennis, I have yeah, a problem. Yeah, yeah. And man, up to two o'clock in the morning, his phone is ringing. And I'm sure you have experienced that. Yeah, and you continue yeah. to experience. It. Yeah, yeah. See, so it's the training of the people that's to me is the most yeah, important, think, yeah. and it's the most difficult. And sometimes it's the the impossibility of things because the way I look at it. My driver drives for me because he's a driver. He cannot think like me. You know, he can only drive the car. So if you get a guy, somebody who can think, who can think about the same way you do, then you can trust that person. But still, don't leave that person. Yeah. Because it's not theirs. It's not his. But talaga kailangan mo pumunta, bantayan. And that's what I did in Cebu. I was 24-7 four days four days in Manila four days in Cebu just yeah. keeping back going back and forth even here seven on Sunday everything is closed all the clinics are closed hardly anyone eats hardly anyone eats if you you'll probably get three four tables at the max on Sunday but I can't on a Sunday because the atmosphere on a Sunday when there's no people no customers is different the atmosphere within the minds of the people is different when it's busy. You have to see how their mind works when it's busy on a, on a 12 o'clock lunch time on a regular day. And a Sunday we don't have to pay. The, the generation of, of, uh, of enthusiasm and movement must be the same. Not because you table mo, you allow them to slow down. Because when they slow down, then the next day when it's busy, they work on that pace. Right. right. You know? And and that's that's the crux of the business. I think anywhere in the world is like that. But Lalo had the restaurant business. It's probably the most difficult. In fact I wish I was never in the business. <laughs> but you know, but this is what I know yeah. how to do. I'm not a cook, I'm not a chef, but at least I'm able to to, to see I cater to the people, what they want, what they want to eat, complain nila, the taste that they want. You have to maintain that. If you see a product being sold all the time, constantly, you, re you keep that, maintain it. Because that's why it's sold 10 times a day. Because people like it. Not because you have it, but people like it. There's something there that they like. I had a chef before in Tinderbox who's very talented, very good, and very artistic. Every day, he changes the way his, the, the steak is made. In other words, the plating. Same uh, taste, same taste, but the plating, papalitan niya. Sabi ko sa kanya, Pal, bakit mo pinalitan ng plating nito? Iba na itsura. Sabi niya sa amin, his, his reason to be served. I'm tired of seeing it. Eh. You know, I'm an artist, I want to change. Sabi ko, yeah, you're, you're tired of seeing it, but the customer comes here because of what he saw yesterday. Not what he will see today. Tama? Because you go to McDonald's because you know how Big Mac looks. Yeah, yeah. If McDonald's also all of a sudden wrapped in Jollibee, even if it's mag-iisip ka, hindi akin to, bakit ganito to? So it's the conditioning of the mind of the people. Making sure your water is the same, everything is the same, that's why they go. Dapat yung t-shirt nyo, pareho, yung name tag, everything. Because there's what you call also, there's what you call subliminal seduction yeah. in this business, mm -hmm. uh, where people get attracted to things but they don't know why. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you have to be able to see that and bring that out 
and make it some a realization. Like me to her. Like something like condition. No, no, Ganun talaga. That ganun ang negosyo. So without that, I think. In other words, if that is present in your industry, in your business, I don't care if it's a if it's a restaurant, gas station, or yeah, or. It gets boring because you're cooking the same thing. It gets boring, but at the end of the day, that's why people come. So I'd like to uh, take a moment and uh, thank you, sir. Okay. For, uh, I hope time. I answered your question. Yeah, definitely. This will uh, inspire a lot of uh, you know uh, aspiring entrepreneurs like yeah. for our audience. So you know, this country is going to be one of the best in the world if you are able to create entrepreneurs. Yeah. Entrepreneurs are the ones going to develop. Unfortunately, unfortunately for this country, we are developing politicians rather than entrepreneurs. <laughs> And that is the sad part. People do not realize this. To me, I don't have anything against politicians. But let's face it, politicians, but politicians are not going to bring the country to where it's supposed to go. Only entrepreneurs. I agree. Yeah. You agree? I agree. No. I, I learned a lot of things from you. Yeah. 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 Me too. Because uh, to me, when I look at uh, the... the that when I look at the situation in this country, what do we need? Innovators. We need another high school kid. We don't need another high school kid.